This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Good morning, church. Good morning. We're glad you joined us today and uh, from all over our city, our province, and our nation and beyond. We're glad you're joining in on Facebook and on YouTube. We love seeing the comments come in. And it's a new day for church. And we're adapting and innovating. And we're glad you made the time this morning, whether you're watching it live or maybe you're watching it on replay. We're really glad that you tuned in. It's been a challenging week here in Halifax, in Nova Scotia. It's been a tough week. And we just wanted to take, again, a moment just to recognize the uh, loss of lives, the 22 victims that were lost last Sunday, right right at this time, a week ago, um, and the sacrifice of our frontline workers and the RCMP. We're so thankful that they ran towards danger so we didn't have to. And as a province, uh, we are so proud of our response as a province. Uh, We are strong, and uh, we honor you today, uh, Nova Scotia and Halifax, and we think of you, and we're in this together. Last week, uh, to be honest, going into Sunday, I was a little tired, like a lot of us, just this this lockdown and, and, and isolation and just the new normal. And I went into Sunday a little tired and then came to church. And if you're on our team, we do a pre-rally on Zoom and we have, you know, 100 people on there. And I left that rally feeling so much joy, uh, seeing faces and kids and we're uh, virtually high-fiving people, and we laughed, and we were playing music, and I went into Sunday morning then feeling joy, and then uh, Matt Leto preached an amazing message last week, and I hope you watched it and enjoyed it, and when church was finished, I felt full of faith, and then as we finished the live stream, reports came in that we were in, right in the middle of really danger, and cops were flying by uh, our location here in Bedford, heading to the highway, and I felt fear want to rush in. As I got home and we started to see what had unfolded in our province, Monday morning, I can't explain it, I just felt, like I think like a lot of us, I felt grief, and I just felt sad. I just felt sad. You could feel it. You could feel it in our province. But after Monday, it turned into something else. Tuesday, Wednesday, it started turning, turning into determination. Determination that more than ever, we're going to do whatever we have to do to reach as many people We're determined to keep reaching our province and reaching our city. And I want to remind you that we are in this together. And I believe the church uh, is only more relevant and makes more sense in challenging times. And we're determined to do whatever we can to reach everybody, to tell everybody about somebody that changed our lives. So Nova Scotia, we are with you. We love you. And as a church, we are committed more than ever to bringing hope to our city. And um, we're glad you tuned in today. If you have a Bible today, I'm going to start reading in Matthew chapter 4. If you have a Bible, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 15, but I want to read Matthew chapter 4, in the, if Matthew chapter 5 in the message version. Uh, and I uh, want to encourage you this morning. It says this in verse 14. It says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. I like that. Even today, you're sharing on Facebook, you're commenting on YouTube. Uh, It's never been easier to go public with this message. It says we're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. 
Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Today I want to uh, unpack Luke chapter 15, a very famous passage uh, in, in my Bible. Um, there's, it starts with called the parable of the lost sheep. I'm going to read about the parable of the lost son, or other versions call it the prodigal son. But Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus is talking here, he's preaching, and one of the most powerful messages, and he says this, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this, this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want a share of your estate. I want my inheritance now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Even the food that pigs were eating, he was that hungry, he started eating their food. But no one gave him anything. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home... Even the hired servants have food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home. He made a long journey home. And while he was still a long way off, I like that right there. If you have an old school Bible, you need to underline that. While he was still a long way off, off. His father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Verse 22, the father ignores him and just starts talking. His father says to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals on his feet. Kill the calf uh, that we've been fattening. We're going to have a barbecue tonight. We're going to grill out right here. He says, we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but he is now found. So the party began. This morning, for the next few minutes, I want to unpack this scripture this morning. And I want to talk on this topic. You'll see the title behind me. Uh, leave the light on. Leave the light on. I believe today God wants to encourage you. Church, he wants to encourage you. If you feel close to God today, we're going to challenge and encourage you. If you feel far from God today, we're going to let you know that we're here to help you today. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for our church tuning in all over. God, all over the city and over this province. In this challenging week that is more challenging than any I can remember, we're thankful, God, that you promised to never leave us alone. You're closer than a brother or a sister, or a friend, and you're with us right now. So God, I thank you that though we're socially isolated, we're not spiritually isolated. You're with us. Holy Spirit, I pray you would do more through these screens than I, and we could ever do more in person. I pray that we would leave this live stream more in love with you, more like you, and more passionate about your plan for people, our city, and for our province. God, thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We're so glad you tuned in this morning. Uh, the older I get, the more, I turn 45 next month. 
the older I get, the more I'm turning into my father. I think it's true of a lot of us. Uh, I, I'm more obsessed with turning lights off than I've ever been before. I remember growing up at my house, my father would just walk around turning down thermostats and shutting off lights. And the older I get, the more obsessed I am with shutting off lights, shutting off ceiling fans, turning down thermostats. I'm turning into my father. Um, when I think about lights being left on, I, I think about there was a time in my life where I traveled full time for work as a, as a preacher. And so many times I would catch the last flight into Halifax. Doesn't flying seem like a long time ago now, but... I remember I would fly every week and travel somewhere to preach. And a lot of times I'd catch that last Air Canada flight into Halifax that would land just after 1 a.m. And I would get home after being away for a week. And as I'd round the corner into my driveway, I'd always see the outdoor light on and I'd see a light on in my living room. And uh, I'd take my key and unlock the door and go in. And I'd always find Nancy uh, asleep on the couch because she knew I was coming home. And she always left the light on to make sure that she knew, that, that we knew, that I knew that she was expecting me. When you leave a light on, what you're saying is we're expecting you. And we're not going to rest until you walk through that door home. So many times it was so nice to come into the house, 1 a.m., flights get delayed, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. But I knew no matter what time of night it was, I knew my house would be ready for me to come home. They were waiting for me. It wasn't shutting the light off, saying, we don't remember you're coming home. We're not expecting you. I remember I'd see notes from my kids going, Dad, welcome home. Why? They knew I was coming home. Leaving the light on was saying, we're expecting you, and we're not fully resting until we know you're in the door. I believe as a church that there's never been a more important time that we make sure we're leaving the light on for our world. We need to leave the light on. What does it mean as a church, as Christians, to be light in a dark world? What does it mean today? What does it mean as Christians to leave the light on? I believe that in this dark week, these dark times, we can't run from darkness. I believe when you have the light on, you need to run to darkness. I believe to leave the light on means that we need to be light in a dark world. We got to run to the darkness. That um, the church must be the church. I honestly believe in the church of Jesus Christ more than ever. And I've, uh, we, I believe we're to act like no one else is coming. I'm so thankful for our government, our premier, our, our mayor, our, our, our prime minister. I've done an amazing job during this time. But my hope, I'm thankful for our government. My hope is not in our government. Our hope is not in our economy. I believe that no one else is coming to help people in their spiritual state that were spiritually isolated long before they were socially isolated. No one else is coming. The church must be the church. The church makes more sense now than it ever has before. I believe the church must stand and be light in dark times. We're not those that fear. We're not those that cower away. We're not those that are hiding. I believe light makes sense in darkness. Church, we're called to stand up more than ever before, and we must leave the light on. We can't afford to wait to go to church. So many people are going, oh, I just can't wait to go back to church. We can't afford to wait to go to church. We have to now be the church. And there's a world of difference in that statement. So many people define church as going to church, and I, I get it. I miss going to church. But nothing can stop us, and we must not stop now from being the church. We're called to be the church. Matthew 5 says, as I read it, that we're to be a light on a hill. A light on a hill. See, I've read this in the past, 
that it's more of a light of boldness. I remember growing up even thinking we're a light on a hill. That it's, it's, it's a light of, of boldness. It's a, I'm gonna put, no one's going to put my light in. I'm going to expose darkness. I'm gonna, uh, I'm, people are going to look at us and know that we're not compromising, that we're not backing down, that we'll shine light on darkness and no one can stop us from shining. I've changed that view over the last few years. I think it's less of a light of interrogation and trying to expose people, and it should be more of a porch light calling people home to keep an open house. So many times, sometimes we get self-righteous with, our, with the way we live, and we think we're called to call out people with our light, going, you shouldn't be saying that, living that, drinking that, smoking that, doing that, and we think that our light is called to interrogate people, and we wonder why people are intimidated when they come around our light. I don't read that verse that we're a light on a hill, that we're called to be a light of interrogation as much as a lighthouse going, hey, there is safety here. I see it more as a porch light calling us home, going, no, no, we're not going to shut the light off until you come home. We're waiting for you, we're expecting you, and we refuse the rest until you come home. We're not here to interrogate our culture or our city, trying to expose right and wrong what they've done. We'd say, no, 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 God is the judge but we are the welcome mat. We are the welcome team. We are those leaving the light on, leaving the porch light on, saying we're waiting for you, we're expecting you, and we will not rest until you come home. So as the church, how do we leave the light on? There's so many things wanting to snuff out the light and shut off the light. So many people are trying to shut off the light, trying to save power, save effort, going, I don't know if it's worth waiting for. It's been too long. How do we leave the light on for our city? How do you leave the light on for your spouse, for your kids, for your teenagers? How do you leave the light on for your neighbors in our city in this season? How do we leave the light on those for those that are far from God that are in a place of darkness? Well, today, just real quickly, I'm going to give you three points to encourage you of how we as a church and how as you as the church can leave your light on. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus is repeating the same three truths in three different stories. If you read, I don't have time today, but if you read the chapter, Jesus shares three different parables, three different stories, but it shares the same three truths throughout these stories. Something is lost in every story. It's a son, it's a sheep, or it's a coin, but something is lost in all three stories. The other truth is, is that all the focus and all their energy is on finding it. In all three stories, the obsession is finding what is lost. And the last truth is that when it's found, they party. I, I, I believe that something is lost. I think people are lost. We've never seen more people lost in hopelessness, people lost in depression and, and, and anxiety, people lost in, in addictions. I believe we need to spend all our energy, all our focus on finding those that are lost. But I believe when we find people, when people come home, when they see that porch light, I believe we're at a party. I think people see church a lot of times as a quiet place with quiet people that are boring. Listen, church is not boring. This live stream is not boring. Our church is not boring. Our lives are not boring. If your church is boring, it's because you're boring. I'm not boring. Our church is not boring. Why? We believe we should be loud and proud and celebrating. I believe the music should be loud. I think the people should be smiling. Why? Because we are either celebrating, people are coming home, or you're coming home and you're thankful to be home. I'm so thankful that we're celebrating. The story of the lost son that we read today in Luke 15. The lost son, the father had the opportunity to turn the light off. You gotta put yourself in this story today. This father 
He had given his inheritance early. He had liquidated his assets. He had sold things early. It was going to happen when he died, but the son wanted it early. The son wasn't grateful, so he gave him his inheritance. And the father had every opportunity to shut off the porch light and say, no, no, I'm going to focus on other things. The son was too far gone, some could have said. His life was messed up. I'm sure he, he heard the reports. Maybe he saw a post on Facebook or Instagram and saw the way he was living his life going, that's not the way I raised him. That's not the way he, that's not our values. And he easily could have said, he's too far gone. Like, that's not the boy I raised. Isn't it easy sometimes to look at people that, that you're, you love and that you believe need to come home and go, no, no. If they didn't do that, maybe they could have come home and say they're too far gone. Maybe it's not too far gone. Maybe you think it's been too long. No, no, it's been too long since they've been in church. Too long since they've, they've, they've called out to God. It's been too long. Uh, it, they've been doing too much for too long. They're too far gone, and it's been way too long. It's a long time. The father also could have shut the light off because he said, you know, I got other things to do. I got priorities. This man was a businessman. He had family. He had business. He had priorities. But it said this father kept his eyes on the road, but he easily could have shut the light off because he had other things to do, priorities. It's one thing to sit for a while and watch, but it's another thing to go, wait, I got businesses to run. I got deals to be done. I got priorities. I got more family, more responsibilities. The father had every reason to shut the light off. Today, three things I want to challenge you of how we can keep the light on as a church in your life and my life. Number one, uh, to leave the light on is going to challenge our positions. It's going to challenge our positions. I'm sure this father had more comfortable places to sit than near the road. He was a man of wealth. I'm sure he had his own man cave, his games room. I'm sure he had comfortable couches and maybe an in-ground swimming pool. I think he had a, a nice place. He had wealth and servants and he had multiple houses and buildings. I'm sure there were more comfortable places than sitting outside on his patio watching the road. I'm sure he had other places he could have sat. But he chose to change his position from being behind his boardroom table, behind his office chair, from, from behind his place of management to sit on the road, to sit on his patio and watch the road. If we're going to leave a light on as a church, we have to realize the church of Jesus Christ is called uh, not to be convenient or comfortable. As at our church, we say it all the time, we're not called to be comfortable. People walk into our church sometimes and they don't get what we're trying to do. The church of Jesus Christ is to leave a light on welcoming people home. Sometimes they walk in and they say it's too loud at our church. They say it's too dark, it's, it's too large, there's, there's too much celebrate, celebrating. And they said, this is not what I'm used to. This is not what I'm comfortable with. May we never be the church that's more focused on being comfortable than the calling to watch for people. If we're going to leave our light on to our neighbors, to our spouses, to our teenagers, we have to be willing to give up our positions of comfort and focus on the calling of welcoming people home. We have to challenge our positions. We say in our, on our staff and our team all the time, we, we hold on to purpose tightly and positions lightly. Why? We don't care what our title is. We don't care what our position is. We don't care what our job is. Our purpose is to call people home. If you're going to leave the light on in a church, in your life and my life, we have to be really ready to be challenged in our positions. Right now, people are saying, well, we're not meeting as a church. Um, the building is closed, so we're just going to pause. 
I'll get back into church when the building opens, when that position, when I get my seat or my pew or, or I get my job on a stage or behind a microphone or in another ministry and they're waiting for their position. We must have churches that welcome those who wander not to make us comfortable. We can't wait. We can't wait for church to open. We have to change that position and understand we are not waiting for the church. We are the church. You need to know today in your living room, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, we are the church and we must leave the light on and not focus on positions, but focus on purpose. Second thing it needs a challenge today to leave the light on. It's so easy to shut that light off is we must challenge our priorities. Challenge our priorities. Constantly valuing others. Constantly valuing others. It's interesting in Luke 15, in verses 22, 23, and 24, the father was son-focused. The son shows up on the scene and he starts confessing his sins and the father doesn't even listen to him, but he's focused on him. He's like, get him some food, get him some clothes, and get him some ring. See, the ring always represents authority. If you had a ring, it showed your authority. He's like, no, no, I, I need to get, I'm focused on him. Get him back to where he belongs. Make sure he's fed, clothe him right. But in verses 20 and 29, this boy's older brother was self-focused. He's like, you didn't throw me a party. I've been faithful. I haven't left. I've held my position. I did what you said, but you haven't given me a party. You haven't killed the head of barbecue for me. You haven't given me new clothes. Isn't it amazing? The father was son-focused. The older brother was self-focused. Nothing will shut the light off quicker in our lives than selfishness. To leave the light on, we have to think about others. I think about in this time, social media. I don't think it's any coincidence that you can't separate the word me from social media. Social media. So much of it is self-focused of what what, what my food looks like, what my clothes look like, what my friends look like, what I'm talking about, what I'm thinking about. And so many people are in this season saying, I'm bored. And we spend so much time focusing on what we're missing than who we're missing. We focus more on ourselves than others. Nothing will shut the light off in our churches quicker than thinking about ourselves. We must fight to keep a light on, focus on our city, our province, our neighbors, our spouses, our kids, we must be focused outward. The father very easily could have said, well, I'm not really comfortable sitting out here on the porch. I got things to do. I need to build my inheritance. I need to build my portfolio. I got things I need to trade and do. But he refused to focus on himself. Even when the son showed up, he didn't even say, well, I deserve an apology. I, I, I deserve some respect. He didn't even think about what he was missing. He focused on what the son needed. He said, no, 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 no. Get him food, get him clothes, get him a ring. I think we need to be focused on others. The brother focused on what he was missing. Please don't miss this. The brother focused on what he was missing. The father focused on who he was missing. In this season, I've been guilty of focusing on what I'm missing. Man, I miss going to movies. Man, I miss going to church with people. I miss being able to sit down at a restaurant, have an amazing coffee. I, I, I miss this. I miss, the, the brother started focusing on what he was missing. The difference is the father was focusing on who he was missing. The best things in life are not things. They have a face attached to them. They're people. And this father could not enjoy his things without his son. He wasn't focused on what. He was obsessed with the who. As a church, as Christians, to leave the light on, we must be obsessed with people. Obsessed with people. 
If you're watching the stream today and you feel far from God, we're obsessed about your life. We're obsessed about our city, of helping our, our, our city and our province and our, our families and our friends. In our lives, we can't be obsessed with what we're missing. But our prayers, our energy, our finances, our passions have to be on who we're missing to leave that light on, to welcome people home. I think it's fascinating that the brother, the older brother, didn't want to let his brother back in. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He left. He left. He said goodbye to us. He spent everything. We have to make it difficult for him to get back in. He needs to grovel a little bit. He needs to be a servant and work his way up. The brother, if he had his way, wouldn't have let him in. I think sometimes we act like the older brother in our lives. I think we make it harder for people to get into the house than out of their mess. See, that's, that, that's, that prodigal son, he said he came to his senses, he got out of his mess, and that was hard enough. But if the brother had his way, it would have been harder for that brother, that prodigal son, to get into the house than out of his mess. Sometimes we've done that as the church. People have enough courage to tune in to a live stream like they are today or walk through the doors of a church and we don't know the mess that they came from. People walking out of hopelessness and despair and addictions, stories of people coming to their senses and dragging themselves going, I just need some hope today. And they get the energy to get out of their mess and sometimes, sometimes we've made it harder for them to get into the house than it was to get out of their mess if we're going to leave the light on as a church, we must be obsessed with making it easy for people to get into the house. To leave the light on. When my light is dimming in my life, it's usually because I'm focused on me. Sometimes in my life, I, I, I just know my light's dimming. It's when I'm focused on myself. I keep think, saying things like, it starts with, I'm tired. Or the dialogue I have with people or myself is, I'm busy or... Maybe it starts going into, well, they, they don't understand the struggle I'm going through. They don't understand how much we're sacrificing. They don't understand how hard we're working. My light starts to dim when I start having conversations going, man, they don't even know what we're doing. They don't even know how hard it is in this season. They don't know the struggle and the effort. And when I start focusing on myself, my light starts to dim. My view goes from the road to myself. If we're going to leave a light on in our lives as Christians, as the church, if we're going to be more of a welcoming home light than an interrogation light, we have to be obsessed with the road and not ourselves. In this season, we have a chance to prove it. The third thing to leave the light on today, it'll challenge our possessions. Challenge our possessions. See, some would say that the father was wasteful and unwise. He gave his son too much too early and sent him on his way. They say, well, that was a waste. See, look, he spent it in the wrong place at the wrong time, in the wrong way. That's waste. What a waste. You ever said that about somebody? What a waste. See, someone maybe had all this potential. Man, what a waste. Man, that marriage, man, so many hopes for that. What a waste. That teenager that started off on a certain track, but he saw potential in them and all, well, what a waste. Maybe you feel like you're a waste today. Maybe you feel like your life's been wasted People could have said the father was unwise. Then when he came back, the son came back, he was a mess of regret and shame, and the father gave him more. He came back smelling like pigs and manure. He came back dirty and shameful, and the father who had given him so much gave him more. People say he was unwise. Listen, to leave the light on, it means that we choose people over possessions. To choose people over, see this story, 
story only makes sense if you see it through a father's eyes, not an accountant's eyes. See, if you look at this trying to add numbers up, it makes no sense. It's a waste. If you look at this through uh, an Excel spreadsheet, if you look at this through a budget, if you look at this through the bottom line of value, it does not make sense. But you can't look at the story. You can't look at our world. You can't look at society through an accountant's eyes. We have to look at it through a father's eyes. See, a father will do whatever he needs to do to reach a son. I'm so thankful that the that Scripture doesn't call him our heavenly accountant. He doesn't call our heavenly judge or lawyer. Calls him our heavenly father. Why? Because God sees you, sees me through a father's eyes, not the CRA's eyes, not the IRS's eyes. I'm so thankful that God sees us through loving eyes, not accounting eyes. That God loved us so much, he had his son die on the cross. Why? He'd rather die for your sins than count them one more time. Why? He's not an accountant, he's a father. We have to be willing to see people over possessions. Leaving the light on will cost you everything to reach everyone. We must spend whatever, whatever, whenever, and give our best to reach people. We're obsessed with it. Even today, you saw us announce that we're going to be doing drive-through um, groceries next week. And uh, I'm so thankful for a church from our leadership level that's all in on these things. They're obsessed. Why? They're saying we, we have to reach people. We have to be wise and we have to have a church for people to come back to, but we're not holding on in this season. Why? People matter over possessions. We will empty the bank accounts if we need to, to reach our city. Why? We see our city through a father's eyes, not an accountant's eyes. So even next week, we're saying, we don't need to know you. You don't need to come to our church. We don't need to follow up with you. If you need help, we want, why? Because we see people through a father's eyes. I'll never forget when we're getting ready to launch Nova Church. I was traveling full time and we, were, we spent a year getting ready to launch our church and we needed a lot of money and a lot of people and a lot of stuff and we didn't have a lot of people. We didn't have a lot of money and we didn't have a lot of stuff. So we're traveling and our team was growing and we're, we're a week away from launching, two weeks away from launching. It was Labor Day, 2017. And this church in Ontario, in London, Ontario, called me and said, would you come preach? And I'll be honest, I said, it's Labor Day weekend. This would probably be the last weekend off for a long time. I was thinking about run-throughs and gear we had to check off, and I was thinking about getting ready for our launch two weeks later, but I said, no, I'll come. I'll come and preach. And I remember saying goodbye to my wife and getting on the flight going, I don't want to go. I'm tired. It's been two years of traveling and hundreds and hundreds of flights, but I got on this plane and went to this breathtaking church, and I preached three times that morning, four times that morning, and poured my heart out and preached about Jesus, and this church worshiped, and they loved God. And I'll never forget it. At the end of the service, Pastor Rick from London, Ontario, gets up at the end of the service. And he says, before we close today, I want to let you know we've committed as a church to pay for Nova Church's rent for half the year. I did the math in my head and it was going to be around $25,000, $30,000. As he announced that, the church erupted in applause and stood to their feet. And I remember in that moment being overwhelmed by this man in this church that were more focused on people than possessions. See, I knew some of their bills. I knew what their dreams were. I knew what they should be doing. And I knew that London and Nova Scotia were farther apart, but they didn't see another province. They didn't see just another church. They didn't look at it through an accounting eyes. They said, no, we can reach more people. We can be invested in a church reaching people in another part of our country. Halifax needs Jesus. And we believe Nova Church is a part of that solution. 
And over the next year, they went above and beyond even that $25,000, $30,000. I never forget sitting there on that front row. I had no words. I was overwhelmed. I started crying. I just started crying and they started packing away chairs and an hour went by and I'm still sitting there just crying. The floor was wet. Why? I was overwhelmed with the Father's heart shown through this church. A church that valued people over possessions. As a church, we are committed to doing the same. What, what Pastor Rick did for us, what many have done for us, we're committed to doing to our city. Listen, today, wherever you're sitting, in your living room, your kitchen, in our lives, we must be obsessed with people. To leave the light on, we have to be obsessed with people over possessions. I believe in good stewardship. I believe in being wise. But this only makes sense if we're obsessed with people. To leave the light on, we are committed as a church to be focused on people, people that are far from God. I remember a couple years ago, we did a Super Bowl party at our church. And I'll be honest, it, it, it cost us a lot. And people go, why are we doing it? I thought, well, we just need to find a way to try to reach people. Sometimes you gotta keep the message, but change the language. Did you know that? Sometimes people won't come to a service, but they'll come to a Super Bowl party. We had these billboards. I wasn't gonna say this, but I'm gonna say it today. Is we had this billboard in the city that says, God so loved the 902. That's the area code of Nova Scotia and Halifax. And we had someone message us and go, you don't need to translate, you don't need to change God's word. It stands all by itself. You should just say God so loves the world. And I told one of our team members, you should just reply to them in Greek. <laughs> and this team member says, I don't know how to speak Greek. And my point was, the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew. And thank God someone translated it into English so we could read it. Listen, we don't change what it says, but we're called to be translators and keeping the message the same, but changing the language. We are obsessed, which we'll speak to kids. That's why we have junior and kids live stream. Why? We're going to speak the language, same message, different language. That's why we're obsessed with the language of our city. God so loves Halifax and Nova Scotia. And he we never needed that message more than this week. We had the Super Bowl party and this guy walks up to, they've been coming to church for a while and he brought this cake. We're watching the Super Bowl and we got food and chili and, and, and chips and we're cheering and he walks up to me and he says, I got this cake I bought for tonight. And he says, Pastor Mike, I want to let you know I'm a lost cause. He stammered over his words, I'm a lost cause. But I feel like I'm home when I walk in here. That's everything to us. Spend the money change our schedules, change our positions, change our, our possessions. We'll do whatever we have to do to reach people. In this story, you have to imagine this son was a long way off. This father was sitting on his porch, his eyes on the road. We know this because it says while he was still a long way off, the father spotted him. It doesn't say how many days or weeks or months the Son was gone, but it was a long time. I'm sure during that time, some of his assistants or co-workers or servants would say, listen, listen, it's been a week. He's not coming back. Come on, we got to go on with other things. There's work to be done. His father said, no, 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 I'm not leaving. I believe he's coming home. I'm sure some days he would see someone coming over the horizon and he'd watch and go, no, that's, that's, that's the kid down the street coming home from college. He'd get his hopes up, but then he'd realize it wasn't his boy. I'm sure other times he thought, who's that? I can see a little bit of dust. Who is that? No, it's just, it's just someone making a delivery. 
I'm sure he got uncomfortable as he shifted his weight day after day, week after week, started thinking about the other things he was neglecting, but he was obsessed, his heart for his son. And then one day, when everybody else had shut their light off, everybody else had stopped looking at the road, everybody else stopped expecting a miracle because he had waited for the road. It says, while he was still a long way off, he saw this head come over the horizon. In that moment, I'm sure his heart thought, no, it's gonna be the neighbor's kid, it's gonna be a delivery guy. And then all of a sudden he started to realize, no, no, I recognize that walk because I taught that boy how to walk. No, no, I know the shape of his head and his shoulders anywhere. Because I remember when he was just a young man and he, he had that fever that we thought he wasn't going to make it through. And I, I nursed him back to health and we stayed with him in the hospital. I'll recognize that head anywhere. And he started to run. He started to run to the boy where he was a long way off. What would have happened if he wasn't there? I don't know, maybe the boy would have got close enough and would have brought up emotions and maybe, no, I'm not good enough to be here. They don't want me here. Maybe he would have looked over the fence and saw them partying or relaxing or working and thought, I don't belong. And what if he would have turned around and said, no, no, I, I can't come back. This was a mistake. But while he was a long way off, the father ran to him. It says he ran to him. The son had a, a speech practiced going, okay, I've sinned against God and you. And before he could even get his speech out, the father embraced him. I want to let you know today, our, our city and our province and our loved ones are turning. They're coming to their senses and they're turning towards God. It might not be on a road coming home. It might be a text message. Hey, what's up? How was your week? It might be even just liking your post on Instagram or Facebook where somewhere they're going, I just know I'm a long way off. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And I'm just checking, is the light on? Is anybody looking for me? Is anybody expecting me? He rounds the corner and he sees the light on and his father running towards him. Church, we are passionate to leave the light on. There's enough things to shut the light off, but we must fight to keep the light on in our lives, in your home, for your kids, for your spouse, for our neighbors, for our city. We're a bunch of nobodies telling everybody about somebody that left the light on for us, the light of heaven, Jesus Christ, welcoming us home, not interrogating us. Maybe today you're saying, I, I, I've let my light go out. Turn your light on today. People over possessions. Purpose over positions. Passionate about people. If you're watching today and you're like, Mike, I'm far from God. I don't even know why I tuned in today. I just, I saw someone hit watch party on Facebook or I came across this stream on YouTube or it's been a tough week. It's been a tough month. It's been longer than that for you. You feel like I just, I've done things I never thought I'd do. I, I've been places I never thought I'd go. I've crossed boundaries and lines that I said I would never do. I feel so unclean, so far from God, so far from who I want to be. I feel empty. Listen, I want to let you know. We're not here shining a light of interrogation, exposing you, but we're a porch light welcoming you home. For God so loved the world, he gave his son to leave the light on. Today, we want to welcome you home. If you're watching this broadcast, and you're like, Mike, I want you to pray for me today. We want to welcome you home. We want to pray a prayer for you. You're going to see a a number come up on the screen. I'm gonna pray for you, but it says, if you text the word faith, just the word faith to that number, we wanna partner with you and just celebrate with you and throw a party for you today, but we wanna pray for you. You say, Mike, would you pray for me? 
I want to be welcomed home. I want to know that God loves me and God wants me. He doesn't want to count your sin. He wants to embrace you today and make you feel at home and put you to a place where you belong. If that's you today, all over, wherever you're watching today, can we just bow our heads for a moment? And would you say this prayer after me? If you're a part of the church, you're like, man, I, I want to leave my light on. Will you pray this prayer with me as well? If you're sitting there, Mike, I feel a long way off, but I need to come home today. Would you pray this prayer after me? Come on, pray it together with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I recognize I'm not where I need to be, but I want to come home to where I want to be. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my choices. I choose you. Would you come into my life? Would you welcome me home? I'll put you first. I make you Lord. I love you, Jesus. I believe that you died for me. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you need to know the Bible says that a party is happening in heaven right now. Whenever something is lost, all effort is put into finding it. And then a party is thrown. Right now, we're celebrating. We want to celebrate with you. If you prayed that prayer, would you text that word faith to that number you see on the screen? We want to just celebrate with you and let you know that we left the light on just for you. We're going to fight to keep the light on because we love you that much. Church, we love you. We're going to worship one more time about darkness will tremble. There's, there's darkness trying to reach in and, and flood our city and our province and our lives right now. But I'm so thankful for the light that overcomes the darkness that is the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's sing this together.